The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. <laughs> we caught your sniff there, AJ. Are you healthy? Hey, you okay? I warned you. I warned you. Oh, and by the way, when you start a story... With that as that ending, you probably want to phrase the title of that story. I'm going to start calling you the Salt Lake Tribune. <laughs> what are you talking about? The way you titled that story, I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be a good ending. What kind of ending was that, man? What? Wait, what's, what story are you talking about? No, you, the story you just told me. Oh, the story I verbally shared with you. Yes. <laughs> What do you mean verbally share with me? What? Well, I didn't know if it was a story you read online somewhere no. or... No, I just said the story you shared with me Oh, in, in verbal communication, oh, okay. mouth to mouth. Wait, time <laughs> well, out. It wasn't, it wasn't really mouth to mouth. <laughs> Hang on now. Coronavirus <laughs> You don't want to get the wrong idea. <laughs> you got to give me a better ending, man. Yeah, it it wasn't a it wasn't a good ending. So, hey, you ever seen that video where uh, <laughs> I gotta find it now? Where the reporters like, <laughs> "Welcome to Yeah 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 News." Uh, tonight, my co-host Bubba is dead. She was murdered last night. Have you ever seen that video on Twitter? What? I'm no. not even kidding you. It's it's like welcome to Ku News or whatever. Uh, <laughs> my partner. <laughs> La 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 was murdered. She is dead. Like he just like jumped both feet wow. into the story to intro the show, man. Guns are blazing. Oh my! <laughs> I got to show you that clip. I'll have to find it. It's it's not funny, uh, but it's it's a little bit humorous to the way he shared it. So, so a lot of different things to get through. Uh, as you heard at the top of the hour, we're going to hear some of those. Uh, get into a little more detail of what those stories are from those headlines. Uh, the the there's this informal poll that's going around, or is there? <laughs> that's this interesting debate. Shams versus Woj. Yes, that's right. Uh, who has the better sources? Uh, NBA players basically being polled. Would you feel comfortable resuming the season? Do you want to play? Do you want to return? Or do you think are you not comfortable returning yet? It's just a simple yes or no. Uh, varying degrees of sources saying one thing or another on that. Um, so we'll get into that. Who's saying what? We'll hear from a little bit. And, and a little bit more about what's going on in the NBA. Um, how how comfortable are they with a certain level of risk that would be required in order to, to stage some of these games? And if they do, where do they host them? Do they just settle on one place? Or do they separate it into two places? Do they spread it across three places? And if you do that, there's going to be some travel involved. Um, so there's certainly some concerns about that. Uh, something a little bit closer to home, two stories um, that uh, it could affect greatly what happens with Utah State University. And uh, one coming out of the state of California in their system of higher education and another uh, out of the Pac-12. So both of those stories could greatly affect Utah State University. And then with these uh, the, the budget issues that are coming as a result of, of coronavirus, some schools are looking more closely at travel costs, anything they can do to try to save some money. So does that affect 
this upcoming season for basketball or other sports? Um, and uh, where do you send your teams? Can you still stage games or, or play games, travel to games, without it having it cost as much? Um, so certainly there's a couple different things there. The, Mid- the Mid-American Conference has also made some pretty uh, significant changes and announcements today. So a lot of different things to get through today here on the show. Uh, we'd also would love to hear from you as we go through this, uh, hear your opinions on any of these issues. Uh, 435-339-0321. That's the text line to share with us your opinion. 435-339-0321. Text into the show. And uh, and we'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are on, on some of these topics. And, and Ajay, let's start out with one that's hitting a little bit closer to home and could affect Utah State University and the Mountain West Conference. And that is that the the California uh, system of, uh, of higher education, uh, the California State University system, which is over 23 different universities throughout the state of California, their chancellor today announced that they will cancel in-person classes in the fall. They will offer instruction primarily online. Some classes will still need to be in person because of it's a hands-on learning a lab, things like that. So there will be some students on campus, but by and large, the Cal State system will be taught online. That does include Mountain West member institutions, San Jose State, San Diego State, and Fresno State. Why is this a big deal? A certain person said we, he doesn't foresee sports happening if there aren't students on campus. And this certain person carries quite a bit of weight, Ajay. Yeah, in fact, breaking news is coming out of uh, L.A. County. Uh, Ryan Cartier, one of the reporters there, uh, has announced or has uh, reported that L.A.'s county stay-at-home order is expected with all certainty to be extended for the next three months. Uh, which I believe USC is a part of that, if I'm not mistaken, as is UCLA. So not only is the Mountain West being affected, Eric, but also the Pac-12 conference as a whole, uh, including two of their bigger schools in U- of USC and UCLA. Uh, this is not good news. At uh, <laughs> Yeah, not good news right now. Um, because you're already worried about not having non-conference football games, which really is looking more and more and more likely. Uh, Clay Helton uh, talked a little bit about that, uh, to I believe, yesterday or today, uh, that uh, that they've had discussions. Pac-12 is having discussions that um, they are not, or that they're thinking about just going from 12 to 11 season games and eliminating those uh, non-conference games. Yeah, here's what Clay Helton had to say about that. We'll also hear from a couple other Pac-12 oh, coaches yeah, there's a lot of it on this about this. But here's Clay Helton. Um, this this idea that has been floated that what if the Pac-12 just plays 11 games and they're all, all conference games? It's been discussed in our Pac-12 meetings, um, and it's been discussed by the commissioners that that is one of the the many structures. Uh, as we as we go through this situation in this crisis, that uh, the possibility of a all conference schedule um, that's that is one of the structures under discussion, depending on where we are at, you know, six to eight weeks from now. But uh, those are those are viable discussions, and it has been brought up in our meetings. If the Pac-12 goes to a conference only schedule, they only play themselves. 
granted, that'd be an interesting schedule if you're a Pac-12 member, but that eliminates two games on USU's schedule, Washington and Washington State. Well, not only that, but even for Oregon, they get kicked right in the stomach with this one because guess what? In week two, they get Ohio State Buckeyes coming to their house in Austin Stadium to play them in a week two regular showdown. That kind of game has NCAA playoff implications written all over it. And if you don't get that game in and it comes back to bite you in the end, there is going to be a lot of angry angry people from the Pac-12 side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're right, Eric. It does. It kills Utah State. It might hurt Oregon Ducks that much more, though, if they don't get this showdown with Ohio State at Autzen Stadium. The University of Utah, their non-conference schedule, BYU, Montana State, and Wyoming. So they don't really have a big headline non-conference opponent on their schedule. Um, not like what some of these other schools do, like Stanford, where it has Notre Dame on yeah. the schedule. and David Shaw does a great job scheduling, but now the question is, I mean, how much does it affect that you don't have students on campus? Yeah, here's what David Shaw had to say. He elaborated on that a little bit. Waiting until campus is open, and does that... Now, Stanford is not part of this California uh, system of higher education that has these 23 different schools. Neither is Cal. Neither is... USC or UCLA, but the three so the Pac-12 schools in California could have students on campus. But if they have the three month period of the extended stay home for LA County, that's that is true. That, that kicks is, them. Yeah, that is a factor. Um, I think that's a great sentiment, um, but I don't know that that's going to rule the day when it's all said and done. Um, I think the 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 president of the United States is going to have a, a weigh-in. I think every state governor is going to have a weigh-in. I think every president, provost, chancellor is going to have a, a weigh-in. Um, you know, there may be a scenario to where campuses are partially open. And if we can bring back athletes and bring back a section of the students, student body, that may not be exactly what Mr. Emmer was talking about, but that may be good for a certain university. And if they feel they're comfortable and ready to resume part of their normal activities and still field teams to for for fall sports, not just football. Um, but I think that's going to be, that's going to be acceptable. So um, we'll see. Once again, this is extremely fluid. Hey, can I ask you, do you make, when you listen to these guys talk, do you feel like a, they're taking a shot at the governor of California because they feel like he's handled it incredibly wrong on just in their opinion uh, i guess a lot of california citizens opinions as well and uh and two that they're forcing the issue of like look we can play students on campus or not we can play that doesn't make a difference um i don't know that i've got that sense in those two comments okay. that we've heard from clay helton and david shaw I, I think they're both like a lot of us just uh, the decisions are out of their hands and that's frustrating these you know, college coaches are notoriously control freaks <laughs> and not necessarily that's a bad thing that's but they they like to be able to control their own destiny and uh, their programs and their scheduling and what you know, what's going to happen they feel they are in control of a lot of people and they they like to have that control and that's all that's been taken out of their hands it's very frustrating when you've had when you've been able to have a certain level of of leadership and control over what's going on with a, about a hundred people or more, 
and you have a plan and a structure and you're normally, this is what you're, you're doing, but right now you're in limbo and you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel just yet, that's, that's frustrating. That's hard. And one of the ideas is, you know, what if, what if you can have some students on campus? Maybe you can start the games, but having fans in the stands still seems like that's yeah. quite a ways it, out. And, and that's the thing. So I, here's where I'm confused. I feel like the coaches are like, look, we just want fans in the stands, but the NCAA president says, no, we need students on campus. Which one will have a bigger say if football can play? The students on campus or the fans in the stands? Probably students on campus. Because is, it, and that, is that because it comes from the president or because really that's, what, that's how we're going to determine it? And I'm, asking, I'm not asking to like, create argument or conversation. I'm asking because I'm so confused because I'm hearing two different stories. Yeah, I, I think that because the, the, the athletes themselves are students – and so if there's a, a, a sentiment that yeah, if it's not safe for the students to be together on that campus, why are we getting our student why are we, athletes okay. together on that campus? Yeah. This says a hunch. But if there are if games do resume and fans aren't allowed in, could be very strange. And Nick Rolovich, who is the new head coach at Washington State, he was at Hawaii. We know he's kind of a character, huh. and he still is in Pullman, Washington, some of his uh, reactions to the possibility of no fans in the stands for the Washington State Cougars. I think it'd save a lot of time on silent count practice. There's one. <laughs> uh, I think in general, if we feel it's safe enough to play, then I'd like to play. I, I don't necessarily – I know that the fans is, the, is part of the experience. It's also part of the financial model. So, um, But that's not – in my job description. So we're just trying to hopefully get some games this fall. Uh, apparently on that video call, he had like a big stuffed cougar over his shoulder. He just always is all about the show, isn't he? He Him fits in Lee. nicely as a Mike Leach uh, replacement. Yeah. He? Yeah. Had that. There you go. At least in the uh, bombastic, unique personality. I don't know who's more entertaining in a conference now. Like Nick Rolovich is getting up there because there is Mike Leach. There's Lane Kiffin. But, I mean, Nick Rolovich is, is definitely playing. He's gaining some speed. Yeah, he's playing the cards right as a Power 5 conference coach. So, uh, we'll see. Look, I just the more, and we've, I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I'll probably emphasize it more as we go on in, in the course of the summer. But the more we go on with this, Eric, the more I think that, A, first I thought, okay, we're just, you know, we're going to have a football season without fans. Then it became oh, we're going to have uh, just conference football season without fans. And now it's like, dude, are we going to even have conference games? Teams going to have to forfeit games now? Are we, I mean, are we in that situation where they can't play? Because if you can't have, and I, and I agree with you, Eric, I go back to the question of, you know, students on campus, does it affect football? If you can't have students go into class, or if you can only have, Eric, a 500 students go to the school on campus, you shouldn't be playing football. And and non-athletes will complain, and rightfully so, that, hey, look, if they can play football at the school, we should be able to go in and do our homework. We should be able to go learn our education inside of the school and not over our laptops. And they honestly have a legit argument, Eric. Yeah, I think that this is uh, um, really one of the first University systems to come out and make this formal announcement. 
this is the direction they're going to go already. I think others have been trying to wait and see. Um, but they've said, um, according to this, this, this chancellor, said it would be irresponsible to wait until August to make a decision only to scramble and not be prepared to provide a robust learning and support environment. This is a, according to a quote in the L.A. Times today. Um, so it, it just, they don't feel like testing. They could test everybody enough on these campuses. Testing has definitely ramped up from where it was six weeks ago, but there's concern they wouldn't be able to test enough people to maintain safety. And there's concern about additional waves of the virus, especially in the fall. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, man. I feel like every day we're getting more questions instead of more answers. Because I, I do. I, like, I have a ton more questions for you, but the answer is just going to be, you know, we don't know. Like, we don't know until more answers come out, but we don't know when those answers are going to come out or if we even get those answers. And I have such a worry... I mean, I have such a worry with the fact that they have decided to uh, eliminate students from going on campus for three Mountain West Conference schools. And so I go back to the point again that if they say, hey, you cannot go to campus and use the library, use the facilities of the school building to do and accomplish your education, why would they allow football athletes to go onto the field and compete in a sport. You just know, Eric, there is going to be a riot at a couple of places if that is the case. One of them being Fresno. I mean, really, Fresno State, San Diego State? Kids want to go to school, they can't, but football players can go into the field and play? Sounds a little bit more two-bit to me, if you ask. Well, it would. the, the optics of it would appear it could be bad, that the, the school is, is more interested in, in money than it is about safety. And... I'm not saying that that would be the case um, or if even if that's justified or not, but that could be part of what's, uh, what's going on because that's what we're hearing right now in Major League Baseball. There's some of the concerns being voiced by players in Major League Baseball that a return to a season or to start a season for them uh, right now, even in July, could be putting profits over uh, safety. And I don't honestly I don't I don't really buy that. I get why they might say that, but it's not just about that. Uh, there's with these football programs or other sports that happen, uh, there's a lot of other things that go into it. It's not just what happens on the field of play. It's nutrition, it's uh, mental health, it's help in the classroom. It's an outlet. It's a way to connect people to an institution. So there's a lot of reasons why you know, these these games have an attraction of why they should uh, should should be going on or should to try to find a way to get them to happen. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And it's it, yeah. And that's <laughs> and that's the biggest thing, though. Are we putting sports at too high of a priority to happen? Now we're forgetting everything else. Are saying, hey, we've got to play this game. We've got to do this. We've got to make sure the sports happens. Before we look at other scenarios or other things that probably take, I mean, there's a priority to it, maybe an importance to it, education, school being one of them. Sure, it's going to happen online, but it's not happening in school. 
And I think, I mean, there's, I, there was a, um, I think it was a report on Forbes.com about students who learn better online or in school. And there was a majority who said, I learned better in class, like in-person, face-to-face interaction with the professor than they do online, which is really interesting. And some students are worried, including in Ivy League schools. I mean, in, I mean, I think about Ivy League, I, just to get into an Ivy League school is incredibly hard in itself. But then to pass the class and pass the school, and they struggle to do so because they don't have that face-to-face interaction. And people are going to say, look, if you can get into Ivy League school, you're smart enough to pass it. Well, that's not always the case. They got into the school because they had that face-to-face interaction where they were able to learn consistently. Are we putting things above, are we putting sports above other things that also take a very high priority, but we so badly need sports that we're forgetting that? I think it's a fair question. I, I think you have to look at the the world after 9-11. When sports started to resume, it was, oh, it felt so good. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Here's, let's cheer for something for once instead of being scared and uncertain about what else is going on. Let's, let's cheer and celebrate and have fun. It was part of the healing process. But here's the thing, and I don't mean to compare the two situations, uh, in regards of the the tragic, or I guess the tragedy, or, I don't know, tragedy versus circumstance, if you will. But we always knew sports was going to come back with after nine eleven. Whether it was a week or two weeks, we knew it was coming back within a short time. We knew that. I knew that. I, I feel like many others did. Um, sports was going to come back. This COVID-19 doesn't allow us to think that way, Eric. We don't know if the NBA is going to be coming back for a season. We don't know if we're going to have college football. In or September. At least the whole, yeah, the entirety of the season. Look, we're still September, three months away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When September 11th hit, even though we were in the middle of college football season, we still knew it would come back. By October, we would have college football back. We're in May and we don't know if we're going to have college football. Some kids are, who are playing for schools in California are not sure if they're going to have a season now. That's the difference. Uh, more changes in light of this. Uh, the, the Mid-American Conference has made some announcements. Could other conferences follow suit, like the Mountain West Conference, in trying to find ways to cut costs but still allow games to take place um, but and still be able to, de- to determine champions. But are there ways that they could slim budgets, maybe not just for this year, but for the next couple of years as they try to kind of, uh, I don't know what the best term is, to right the ship or to stop the bleeding a little bit. Uh, we'll look at what they're doing and maybe some uh, other things that could be affecting future schedules, especially for a Utah State basketball team. We'll discuss that coming up next in the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salveson, Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, streaming online, 1069thefan.com. 
appreciate those of you who do listen online or go visit our website to find podcasts of our past episodes. Those numbers have been going up and up and up. So that's Yeah, awesome. how about that? That's I mean, fun. we do appreciate all our listeners, whatever way you are listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I'm just kind of surprised to see our streaming numbers skyrocketing like they are. But thank you. So we've we've talked about how the uh, California in their their California State University system has announced that um, their 23 universities across the state will only do online instruction. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some labs, like you know, things they do for their nursing schools or their engineering labs, things like that, that you'll still need to be in person and have to follow certain protocols in order to uh, to do that. So they'll have some students on campus, but by and large, no students on campus. So that would include San Jose State, San Diego State, and Fresno State in the Mountain West Conference. Um, and NCAA President Mark Emmert said, Unless there are students on campus, we will not. We will not have fall sports. Having fall sports. So, and and here's the thing: is, is is with that, you got the NCAA president saying, unless there's students on camp- at all campuses too. He didn't say on just SEC or in thirty of the fifty states. He said on all college campuses, we will not have fall sports. But then you have like Pac-12 people coming out. Or SEC people coming out, coaches, athletic director, whatever, the, whoever it is, saying, "Well, look, if we we can make this happen, I mean, we can still play." Uh, and I'm, for the for the life of me, I'm trying to find who said it today. Uh, a coach who came out and said, "Well, um, they asked if you could still have football, even though they're doing online campuses or online schooling with no students on campus," and the coach said, "Yeah." We don't need the students on campus to play football. Again, there's that two-bit face of, well, yeah, we can't have you on campus for school, but we're going to play college football and allow you know, people to interact with each other physically, even though they might be, there's a chance that they might get right Making exceptions for some groups, but not others. Doesn't that sound familiar in other ways to the exact same topic? What do we know? <laughs> uh, one Conference that his uh, is making some official changes because of all this is the Mid American, the MAC. Uh, they're going to eliminate postseason tournaments for multiple sports, and not for just this year. They plan on doing it and having it in place for at least the next four years. So they're going to be eliminating postseason tournaments for uh, a number of sports, including baseball, softball. Men's and women's soccer, men's and women's tennis, women's lacrosse, and field hockey. Major adjustments are coming to the men's and women's basketball tournament as well, according to this report. Uh, They'll be eliminating all first-round home games. Top eight teams from the regular season will advance directly. And then uh, they'll be eliminating the divisions for men's and women's basketball. We'll be playing 20 conference games instead of 18. So that would eliminate some additional non-conference opportunities. That's huge. Yeah, that's that's pretty big. <laughs> but, you know, it, it kind of makes some sense um, looking at the costs associated with your non-revenue sports and trying to save maybe dimes 
compared to the, the big dollars that some of these others come into. But when you're a smaller school and a smaller conference, that adds up significantly. You still have to travel like everybody else does. Yeah. So baseball, softball, men's and women's soccer, men's and women's tennis, lacrosse, field hockey, those aren't generating income. Um, they're they're, they're going to cost you a lot with, with scholarships and travel. So one thing you can't really control is scholarships, but you can control travel. Uh, and, and that so eliminating uh, eliminating some of the postseason tournaments. What do you just declare whoever has the highest, the the best record at the end of the yeah. regular season is now your your now conference you champion? I'm sure they'd have to have different tiebreaker scenarios put into that, but. Um, changing what, how they do their structuring for women, men's and women's basketball is interesting. There's no divisions, so you play more conference games. There's more regional games there. It eliminates some non-conference games, which likely means it eliminates some travel. But Ajay, that that idea of of adjusting travel for for basketball could be another serious thing for Utah State to be considering and looking at. Yeah, here's the thing with that situation is that they are trying to limit your traveling situation of going across the country or going really far distances to play a game. They are thinking about and finding ways to make it more regional. Why does that relate to Utah State? Well, because they have a tournament scheduled in Myrtle Beach, playing teams like Pitt, Missouri, Nebraska, and maybe even Dayton. Good quality RPI resume basketball opponents. If they take away the opportunity for them to go to Myrtle Beach and they say, you know what, you're going to stay back and play regional basketball, Southern Utah, Dixie State, Idaho State. Utah doesn't have the you-know-what to be able to come to or play Utah State, so we'll throw them out. Yeah, Uh, the list goes on. But Uh, it's all lower. I mean, and I say lower with all due respect, but it's extremely low-hanging fruit fruit that is touching the ground. And does not help your net. No! Uh, Chattanooga. Small University in Tennessee. They announced last month that any 2020-2021 away games that hadn't already been scheduled must be played within 150 miles of its campus. Hmm. The teams also need to return to campus the day of the game to avoid any lodging costs. Wow. Wow. Get your day, get your game in a little bit early, or just you're going to sleep on the bus or sleep on the plane on your way back. Hmm, that's comforting. So it's that's like what you said. If you do a 150 mile radius around Utah State, your options are really limited, and not great options either. By the way, with no. all due respect, again to our opponents, so, I mean Southern Utah is outside of that, but yeah, not. I mean, not too far, but I mean, Utah Valley, BYU, Utah, Weber State, Idaho State. That's it. Hey, by the way, and I don't mean to jump ship on you here, but on the Dan Patrick show today, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott was on. Uh, and it was interesting, kind of some of the things he said. Um, he said, we're planning on a full season. Planning to start on time, but it's so unpredictable. Uh, he mentioned that there has been planning among coaches and Pac-12 officials about different scenarios. And then continued with everyone is feeling some optimism at the moment. Plan A is for sure starting the season on time and getting a full season with fans. 
that's what we are working towards, but we for sure we have other, discussed other options. Uh, he cl- and he's clarified that students being back on campus may look different for each school, saying, quote, the new normal is to be the old is not going to be the old normal. Uh, I think there's going to be a hybrid situations in terms of class size. Maybe it's not all students coming back at once. Um, but I do believe student athletes will be amongst the earliest groups to be allowed to come back. Dude, that's exactly what we're just talking about. Like, you have students who have academic scholarships there who are non-athletes but have, I mean, are whatever so close to having their schooling done or having big parts of their schooling done, and you're going to tell them no so an athlete can get onto campus and start schooling? Like, that just, that would look horrible. That would look horrible, Eric, for the conference. I don't know how you could get away with that. And then the other thing is... um, I mean, this was this morning, so this was well before the announcement was made that there's there's going to be an extended stay-at-home shutdown for California and L.A. County, I should say, and that three schools in the Mount West Conference um, will have cl- all classes online. So with that, uh, I think there will be some changes. But, yeah, I, again, I just don't know how you can play the card of, well, yeah, we're going to make sure that our student-athletes will be one of the earliest groups to get in and we'll just leave everybody else by the wayside until further notice. That just blows my mind. Yeah, I think it's a it's a very tricky tightrope to walk. Yeah, and probably one you shouldn't even touch. Like, if you can just avoid that at all costs and be smart and make the more, uh, make the decision that's going to benefit everybody and it kind of groups everybody into one instead of just separating, like, oh, jocks and whoever. You might be better off, but I mean, athletes already get a lot of extra privileges that the average student doesn't never get. Dream of being able to get. Amen. Just make that divide even wider. Um, but getting back to this idea of these smaller schools or playing, you're limiting, uh, limiting, not eliminating, but limiting your travel. That it, that's a nice notion if you're on the eastern seaboard, if you're east of the Mississippi where there are a lot of communities, a lot of universities, and you could draw a 150-mile radius and have some pretty decent competition not too far away. But if you're out west, forget about it. Yeah. (laughs) Love this quote from the athletic director for Montana, Kent Haslam. He says, 150-mile radius isn't going to do anything for us here in Montana. Some people can't even get to a Walmart within 150 miles. (laughs) And and that's a big issue throughout the big sky. I mean, Flagstaff, Arizona. Who's within 150 miles of Flagstaff, Arizona? Cheney, Washington. Yeah, no, it's 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 difficult, but I think, yeah, you know, I don't think it's a hard and fast rule that it has to be 150 miles. But I think that it does put into some serious consideration. Do does our school travel to that tournament in the Bahamas? Does our school travel to that tournament in Florida? Does our school travel to those non-conference games in Ohio? Or do we stay closer to home and find somebody that's within you know riding distance in a bus? Utah State's basketball schedule is not announced. No. Um, they're working on it. I'm sure usually about this time we start to hear some things about it. A lot of those contracts are being finalized. But I'm sure those are discussions that John Hartwell and that uh, USU men's basketball coaching staff have to be thinking about. You know how much pressure that is right now? 
you had your schedule set, and now there's a chance because of COVID-19 that you're going to have to rearrange some things, including a major tournament in Myrtle Beach. That that sucks. I mean, it's just I mean it's the way things are right now in this in this year of 2020. But uh, yeah, that that's a tough thing to have to deal with. Hopefully, Eric, we hope that we're still able that this team's still able to go to Myrtle Beach and compete against a great, great, great tournament bracket, a great group of teams. That is still the absolute hope. Um, whether that happens or not is yet to be seen. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Uh, the fact that we don't know about football and we're we're now starting to talk about how this might affect next year's basketball season. I know. All the uncertainty that still is connected to all of this. Hey, speaking of the NBA, I mean, when we come back, we'll have to talk about some NBA basketball. They said there was a poll being done. But then the NBA came out and said, no, there was no poll done. But there were details in uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski that made it seem like, hey, we did ask questions, and we said it'd be kept confidential. Yikes. Yeah, he got copies of those texts. Hello. He also got audio from the uh, phone call that was allegedly <laughs> That was supposed to be confidential, too, and that didn't work Friday. out so well. Yeah, so we'll look at some of the latest developments in the NBA and polling players. We don't know the results of those polls, if, in fact, those polls did happen. It depends on who you ask. Uh, but we'll, what are they being asked, and what kind of implications does that have? And uh, Major League Baseball, they announced earlier this week they're setting a date. Um, our, is that really going to work? Uh, players are starting to react to that, that uh, that's – idea about being date-driven and not data-driven in Major League Baseball. We'll discuss that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, 1069thefan.com, streaming live online. And the NBA... See, that's messed up. Like, we all, and I think the players thought too, Eric, as we were discussing off-air, I asked you the question of how long did the players say they would need to train or at least be together as for, you know, in the facility, working together and such. And you said you've heard from three to six weeks like, they were hoping to be playing by the end of May, man. That time frame says they're not playing till July. Because we're still not into the part of where they're together working out yet. No, no. Yeah, and, and so then the NBA, they're like, Major League Baseball, bless their hearts, <laughs> they've said, like, this is, this is what we're working for. This is our day. And we're going to start building around that day. Right or wrong, that's what they're doing. Uh, the NBA is still kind of hedging their bets. We don't know. Every day is something is new. Something that every day is different. Um, but there is um, there is uh, this thought with the NBA about uh, where do we go if we resume these games? How do we do it? Um, do we go to different facilities? Do we go to one location? Do we go to two locations? Do we do multiple locations? 
Uh, Brian Windhorst uh, with ESPN said that um, there really he described it as two battles that are being weighed, waged, excuse me, uh, in the NBA right now. There's two battles that the NBA has to fight here. Obviously, the most important one is with the virus, but there's no way that the NBA is going to be able to resume operations without a change structure with its league. Let me be very simple here. Right now, they are planning on making $8 next year, and the players are promised four of those dollars. I'm actually talking in billions, but let's keep it simple. (laughs) If we don't get the $8, okay, and we only get the $6 or $5, what about the $4 that the NBA contracts call for? That's essentially the problem that they're going to have to tackle, and that is one of the reasons why Adam Silver has been working alongside the Players Association every single day here, including that call that he had on Friday, because he knows if as a country we get to the point where we can get past the virus enough to play basketball again, we need a money deal with the players to actually do so. Here's the thing. (laughs) So, A, that proves how smart NBA players are. They're not stupid. They realize that that $4 billion being put into the account is more money for us, more salary. But without it, then they don't get that $4 billion. So they're trying to get their hands into the pot, rightfully so. Smart thing to do. Well, they're trying to say, "Hey, we, you made the deal. We, this is still what our cut." But that, and that brings me to the other side of the fence with Adam Silver. David Stern would have said, "Do you know what? It's either my way or the highway." Yeah, you, you would have take shut it, him leave down. it, or screw it. Like you're done. Adam Silver is sticking with the plan and saying, "Let me, like, help me help you. What can we do to make this happen?" And that's why guys like Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and the NBA, Michelle Roberts of the committee, of the NBA Players Association Committee, are so willing to work with Adam and are, and are so patient with the situation because they know that Adam is trying to do what's best for them financially without trying to screw him over. David would have just bent Jones and said, you know what, we're done. Walk out the door, shut it, lock it. <laughs> Stern would have said, look, this is... This is a strange situation. We're being owners are being impacted significantly. Dude, they can't pay you. Yeah, what you thought you were going to get was paid. He a cold cat. And yeah. here you go. You take Absolutely. it or leave it. We're shutting things down. So, so that's what's the other thing that's complicating Major League Baseball. What's complicating the NBA? It's not just about is it are we healthy enough? Are people healthy enough to be able to gather together and, and have games? Mm-hmm. It's like what are also the financial implications about getting paid and. Who has the money to pay these players versus what's already on my contract that says what you owe me? Well, and it's kind of like what you said yesterday, that not it, it's not just having fans that get you that money. It's the concerts, the events, uh, like offside events uh, inside the arena that help bring in that money. None of that happens. Very little money's coming in. No fans. It's almost like no money's coming in. Then you're stuck with what you have, which isn't a whole lot compared to what you're usually making consistently, even in an off season. And they're not making any of that. And here's the problem. Eric. And if you're an owner that you got your money for the uh, hospitality or entertainment industry, those have been wiped out for the last two yeah. months well, and in addition to your basketball property. Well, and that's why I think it's a bigger problem if they start the season in December, because you got no financial relief, hardly any, because you played at Disney World or Las Vegas, you had no fans, you had no events at your arena, 
You come back and play basketball in December. That is a very quick turnaround with little to no financial relief that you got from, from I mean, just from this COVID nineteen situation. That's what's going to kill them. Well, I think it's it's years uh, that like what the the Mac is doing. Look, they're they're changing postseason tournaments for four years. They're making that announcement now. They're changing how their basketball season is played for four years. Just trying to project how long it might take for them to recover uh, from some of this. And, and the other thing is, really, even if they decide that, look, we can play games at a neutral site in Orlando at Walt Disney World at, for the Eastern Conference teams and uh, a, a location in Las Vegas for Western Conference teams, and we can make these pods where we, those are isolated locations. What if the players themselves don't feel comfortable playing? What if they don't feel comfortable that it's safe enough for them? Uh, that's why there's this uh, uh, allegedly this un- informal poll that's going around. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski has reported that this poll is being conducted. Sham Sharani from The Athletic says he got something from the Players Association saying there was no formal poll being conducted. But uh, Woj has got his hands on a copy of that text that has been sent to players. Uh, they've they've kind of different representatives are reaching out to people. It's not one person trying to uh, poll 400 players plus on their own. But uh, here's some of the reports from Adrian Wojnarowski about this poll uh, that's going around to some of the players, what they're being asked. The union had a meeting on Friday, a conference call with Adam Silver, members of the executive committee, and and a number of players in their rank and file. And, you know, they they heard from Adam Silver where he felt things stood right now. And I think at any given time, the Players Association has to have a sense of where its broader membership stands. There's 450 players. Most of them, uh, almost all of them, are not stars. They're not the leadership of the executive committee. And it gives them a sense to get, you know, a feel for where uh, a lot of heads are at. It was one simple question. If, do you feel comfortable resuming the season? Yes or no? So, according to Walsh, there was, like, and not only that, but Eric, they sent a group freaking text to the roster. He said something like, some of like the whole entire roster got a text. And some of them were uh, were so that could, were that question. So you could see everybody's responses. Yeah, <laughs> that's the like that's where people are a little bit upset. Yeah, it's not very anonymous when you do it that way. But then there was, but then like for some other teams, they got it phrased a different way, so they were getting a different answer to a different question. It was essentially the same question. Maybe just ask it a little bit different. But is it? But doesn't that matter, though, man? Don't you phrase it the exact same way to every single person so you know what you're getting? Like, don't you? So there's no miscommunication. There's no. Hey, but wait, you asked him this. I thought you were asking us this. Now what? Now it almost seems like you got two different questions, and there was you know different responses to it. Here's what he had. This is what Woj had to say about an hour ago. He says in NBPA regional rep Tim McCormick's group text to players, he wrote, "Quote Michelle, Michelle Roberts, 
asked for me to reach out and ask the simple confidential question, do you want the season to start again? Close quote. Hmm. So it's a very complicated issue. Uh, apparently some of the, the top players, the top leadership in the league, they did get together, try to have a unified front, it's basically saying, hey, look, we we want to present our position from the most dynamic, well-received players in the NBA that we want a season to continue. Now, if they if 10% don't want it, will it still happen? If 20% don't want it, will it still happen? That's what the NBA Players Association still has to try to determine if they'll be on board with whatever Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA comes up with. All right, some additional thoughts here on the Full Court Press coming up next. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson <laughs> so. continues to be a very fluid situation in sports today. Yeah, absolutely. What are you laughing about over there? So, have you seen that fight on Twitter between two guys? Uh, one has his shirt off and the other guy's dressed like a professor. Oh, yeah. Then the professor guy like, does a roundhouse. Yeah. Okay. But the, Out of nowhere. My, fa- my, my favorite part is how like... The, the 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 shirtless guy like calls truce. He's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Tap out. <laughs> and then the and he he started to walk away. Well, the one the professor looking dude like hold like grabs him and just kind of like you know politely like holds him still, and it kicks him right right in the ribs. <laughs> yeah, gives him one last. <laughs> oh, Come on now, that's a brutal shot, uh, Eric. Hey, let, I mean they're kind of bringing it all circle of life thing, circle to it all. Do you feel confident about college football in the Mount West Conference that it will happen, yes or no? Uh, there's no word yet after this decision from the California schools that no students on campus. I don't know, Ajay. It's, that's the safest answer. I don't know. We won't know for a few more days, I don't All think. Right. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Monday Night Football booth has always held a special place in the broadcasting world. Howard Cosell, Frank Gifford, Don Meredith helped make it famous. They've had former players like O.J. and Joe Namath, non-football guys like Dennis Miller and Tony Kornheiser. As ESPN's slate of games fell far behind NBC's Sunday Night Football, people still cared about Monday night. John Gruden had his own particular brand of success. They loved it when he said, I love this guy, and the intricate play calls like Spider 2 Y Banana. The booth is in a state of flux once again. The team of Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane reportedly out. They flirted with Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and Tony Romo, but now it looks like they're going to stay in-house. At this point, ESPN has little choice but to try and see if it works. And maybe they will do a good job. But you know what makes for a great Monday Night Football telecast? A good football game. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.